Hi everyone, I'm your host, Brittany Nicole, and this is The Female Millennial, a podcast where you get to have girl talk with me and some of your favorite boss babes. We're going to be talking about career, balance, and what it really takes to become successful in your industry. So grab your coffee and your notebook. Let's chat, shall we? Hi guys, welcome back to the Female Millennial Podcast. I am your host, Brittany Nicole. And for this episode, we're recording with Listening Party inside of Canal Street Radio. You guys know how much of a goal of mine it was this year to be able to bring guests on the podcast. And thanks to Listening Party, I can now do so comfortably inside of Canal Street Radio. So speaking of guests, today we will be chatting all about freelancing with Austin Tosan. So Austin is a writer, editor, and blogger living in New York City. She has previously worked as an editor at Interview and Nylon, and after experiencing industry layoffs twice, she started freelancing and taking everything from editorial assignments to brand copywriting. So now Austin is a full-time content creator, which is amazing. And in addition to running her blog, Keep Calm and Chiffon, She also writes for publications like Refiner29, Fashionista, Insider, and more. So welcome, Austin, to the show. Hi, Brittany. Thank you so much for having me. And you hit everything on the head with the intro. That was perfect. Yes, I'm so happy to have you here and especially to talk about freelance. I mean, I feel like it's been, I'm trying to remember when the event was, but like a year ago since we last met at the Lulu's event was it last September I think so for last September fashion week Mm -hmm. and I feel like I've been following you ever since and like following your journey and I know you'll have a lot of amazing things to say and share today yeah definitely I'm excited to dive in yes so I of course have been following you and I know like what you're doing but kind of like tell our listeners what you do who you are give us the rundown Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, once I was kind of in the middle of college, I started thinking about what do I want to do after all of this. Um, As a teenager, I was really interested in theater, which I I now kind of realized was just an extension of my love of storytelling. So kind of getting dressed up and Mm -hmm. taking on different roles and being able to share, you know, like a playwright's words or someone who um, like wrote songs for musicals, any of that. And so I was always really fascinated in storytelling. And my mom was also a magazine editor. So I kind of also had that a little bit in the back of my head. And so I was actually at a liberal arts college in Pennsylvania and okay. I transferred to school here in New York City mm-hmm. so that I could be closer to you know the publishing industry and those opportunities and not have to feel so disconnected from the city um, since I grew up in a small town in New Jersey and was mm-hmm. kind of constantly commuting in whenever I had the chance. like. If we were going to, you know, if we just had a Saturday free in high school, we might try to come in. We couldn't really do anything Mm because, you know, we were 16. So we would like, you know, just stand around outside and be like, we're in New York. (laughs) But um, yeah. And so that's kind of how I ended up wanting to move here. And so I transferred schools and I started interning anywhere I could think of that would take me. Um, So I applied to a bunch of places, you know, the first time around and didn't really get into Mm -hmm. any magazines at first, but I did get an internship with a designer in the garment district. That was my first one. Mm -hmm. Got to see like full on, you know, from start to finish how to make a collection. We were working on the fall collection since it was the summer and, you know, I was interested in design, but I quickly realized that that wasn't going (laughs) to be for me. Yeah. So like so hard. Yeah. So what was your first like editorial job then? Well, so my first editorial internship was at Marie Claire in okay. the fashion closet. Oh, which wow. was an absolute dream. Like, <laughs> you know, just like 
holding couture and mm. like helping editors with mood boards and making shoots happen and everything just oh it just was a total dream and I was lucky enough to get that internship after you know I had the internship with the designer right. and I had a little bit more clout behind me and I also ran a fashion show at my college mm -hmm. and when I was you know having the interview about the internship I was like yeah we had to borrow clothes and return them and keep track of them right. and that's that's what a fashion closet is too so I think that kind of proved that I was able to handle it. And then once I got that one, the rest kind of kept coming. Mm -hmm. um, so then I went on to intern at Nylon, where I eventually worked. And right. then um, Cosmo's website as a fashion and beauty intern. Mm -hmm. And then at New York Magazine's website, primarily helping the cut editors whenever I could with transcriptions and yeah. fun things like that, too. So when I graduated, um, I had the offer from Nylon, and mm -hmm. I just couldn't believe it. So I got hired as an editorial assistant. And I had that role for about seven months before I actually got promoted to assistant editor. It was such a small team, so people could kind of move up quickly there. Right. Um, and I just, it was an absolute dream job. Like, I just loved it so much. So now, so now you've transitioned into freelancing life. Mm -hmm. And I guess I kind of want to hear, like, the difference in your freelancing life now opposed to working with all of those magazine companies and having to be on, like, a set schedule and be in-house yeah so I mean as far as the transition to freelancing from those magazines mm -hmm. like I had always kind of envisioned I wonder what it would be like to work for myself right. and I'd love to get to that place eventually you know where I have worked with all these magazines and maybe I've become like the senior fashion editor right and then I go off and do my own thing exactly um so that wasn't the case for me um nylon folded and then I got laid off and I was lucky enough to find the interview job pretty quickly after. And then I was only at interview for about eight months before last May, the same thing happened. They folded mm. and I got laid off again. Okay. So it was kind of, well, it was hard. And Nylon especially was very heartbreaking for me because that yeah. was a magazine I grew up reading and loving. Yeah. Um, and I think I always was hoping that freelancing or being my own boss could kind of be like on the horizon of stuff after the fact. But I wasn't really expecting to jump into it too soon. Yeah. So, you know, my first couple of months, I was still very much in the thick of applying to more full-time jobs. Mm -hmm. I was like, I don't know if I'm ready to be out on my own yet, exactly. quite frankly. And mm -hmm. I, you know, I was 23 and had oh been wow. laid off yeah. twice Yeah. and was like, what is happening to me? Like, how did my life end up in this direction? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, at first I was kind of just taking on freelancing just in between the job search to, you know, help bring some money in and just how I liked working with these different companies and different brands so one of the first freelance pieces I did was a story for Bustle mm -hmm. um, I have a friend who's a branded editor there and they were actually looking for like an influencer to write an article so oh since wow. I started my blog in 2012 mm -hmm. like originally thinking oh if I'm gonna need clips to like apply to these magazine internships they should probably be published somewhere right and if no one else is gonna publish them then maybe I just should exactly mm -hmm. so that's kind of how my blog started and just to think of you know we could talk about that later too like where that's gone now in the last mm -hmm. like almost seven years that yeah. it's been <laughs> a thing um, but yeah it was definitely hard because again it wasn't like I made this big plan to get up and quit my job and right. like go freelance like I really kind of was just thrown into it mm -hmm. and so the beginning of freelancing was a lot of one-off assignments right. a lot of uncertain months of like I'm not really sure how much I'm going to be making mm -hmm. and you know how much will I need to pull from my savings exactly. or like whatever's going to happen and then now it's so much better just because I have a couple of repeat clients and right. I can mm -hmm. kind of estimate at least what I might be making each month, which yeah. definitely gives me more peace of mind. Mm -hmm. And 
a little more stability, frankly, too, because as you mentioned, like, you know, going from a nine to five job and being on someone else's schedule mm -hmm. and all of that stuff to then just being in like the freelance wild west of having to do things yourself is definitely a transition. But I've always been a really good independent worker. I'm an yeah. only child. Mm -hmm. Like I, I get very like in the zone about yeah. things. And so I think that's why I'm kind of thriving, at least like from my personal mm -hmm. like feeling and like my mental health. I feel yeah. like I do thrive in a freelance environment mm -hmm. because I can really like focus on one thing at a time. And like if I'm bored with something, I can change gears exactly. or um, as long as there's not like a hard deadline, which mm -hmm. I mean, usually there is because <laughs> yeah. I still contribute to a lot of um, digital publications. But yeah, that's kind of like the overall gist of it. Yeah, there are like two things that you said that really stuck out to me because when you said you were 23 and had been laid off twice, I just thought back to even like my dad, when he was laid off, he had been working for the company for 18 years and how it's such a difference now. Like we can only be working with the company for a, a couple of months and still have that unex like uncertain feeling on if we're going to be laid off or what. Whereas they're like our parents who have been working for companies for like years, like a lifetime of years, like their only experience and it still happens to everyone. Yeah, my dad worked for um, his like previous job for 30 mm -hmm. years. Wow. And it's so weird to think about, you know, company loyalty now mm -hmm. and even just company like retention because yeah. and I didn't exactly know this when I graduated and I was working, you know, I'd done internships both in the digital space and for print magazines mm -hmm. and it just so happened that Nylon was hiring a print position. Right. So I kind of could have gone either way, but I still just did not I mean, <laughs> it sounds silly to say now, but I really didn't see it coming mm -hmm. that we were going to just completely fold. Yeah. Um, I thought that was going to be way further in the future. And mm -hmm. so after that happened the first time, I was like just on red alert. I was like, should I even like take another job at a print magazine? Exactly. Yeah. Like I can't I couldn't tell how stable interview was like mm -hmm. it seemed pretty good. Um, and then obviously, like a little later on, I noticed a couple of red flags like, right. before we ended up folding um, last May. But. Yeah, I just did. I also just didn't want to believe it because yeah. I grew up reading magazines and, and just you like tangible things. Definitely. And that's yeah. something that like even like my brothers, they don't understand, like the feeling of not being able to like hold something and actually flip through the pages and read it, but have to like scroll through Google and like type in the article and find. So it's like a different feeling. Definitely. But um, now, like how is life now? So what is your day to day with like freelancing and things like that? Since I know like a lot of people might not know. Yeah, I mean, um, kind of like a bunch of other jobs, you know, every day is really different. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that's actually helped me and I've tried so many different like structures of yeah. how I structure my day and the things that I do. Um, well, the biggest thing that helps me is waking up at the same time every day, mm -hmm. you know, and still kind of establishing a routine of sorts. So like 745 every day, like my alarm goes mm -hmm. off and I'm up and I'm going. And one thing that I started doing, um, I think I started about a month ago was something called batching. So this was really helpful to me because in general, at least, mm -hmm. like not every week will be like this, but I liked having days designated to doing certain things. Mm -hmm. So Monday, for example, was my shooting day. Mm -hmm. So I would shoot as many outfits as I could. And then I would also shoot my YouTube videos for the week. Right. So I'm doing two YouTube videos a week right now, one blog post, and then trying to post to Instagram every day. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of the photo day. So it's like, okay, I'm doing my hair and makeup. I'm going to get a bunch of stuff done. And then that's going to be the day that I do this. Right. Tuesday became kind of a meetings day. So scheduling any like meetings or coffee catch-ups or events or press mm -hmm. previews, anything like that, hopefully would be all kind of on Tuesday if I could stack them all together. Mm -hmm. Wednesday was kind of just a writing editing day, like 
which is one of my favorite days. No makeup, at a coffee shop, just mm-hmm. with my computer, just getting it all done. Yeah. Thursdays was kind of a miscellaneous, like, administrative, any errands I had to run, mm-hmm. um, like, doing laundry or, like, other things, mm-hmm. following up on invoices. And then Friday, I had set aside for collaborations and personal projects. Yeah. So collaborations being, like, any branded sponsorships that I was doing for my social media platforms mm-hmm. or my YouTube channel. And then personal projects is some fun stuff that I'm working on that I can hopefully be sharing soon. Yeah. And, you know, just things that, you know, the things that I always said during the nine to five, if I had the time, I would do this. If I like, right. I'm trying to actually make the time for exactly. it because that's one of the biggest excuses we use. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to ensure that I still had a day that felt like, okay, like if I want to do something really big like that I've been meaning to do for a long time like this is how I want to spend my time doing this on Friday if I can and like hopefully the rest of my work has gotten done up until that point Mm -hmm. um I do still work most Saturdays and Sundays but again since I'm freelance it could be like you know what I'm just gonna bang out two hours of work in the morning and then I'm gonna go to brunch with my friends Mm -hmm. not worry about it and there are some nights where I end up like burning the midnight oil a little Mm -hmm. bit so I'll like have dinner and then you know, from maybe, like, 8 to 10, I'll, like, go back and work on a couple of other things, too. Yeah. It's so good that you mentioned, like, batching, because since I'm currently still in my 9 to 5, I was just thinking about different techniques that I could do, because, like, usually I write down everything in my planner, like, everything. So, like, what I need to do for my blog, my my brands, and stuff like that, but they all end up clashing together. And I was just like, I need to have designated days all of those things because it helps you be more organized and it helps you focus on one thing at a time definitely yeah so i found that was helpful yeah so transitioning when you were going into freelance and that you weren't sure that you were going to take that step you just kind of like fell into it um explain like what was the hardest part in the beginning and kind of like what was the pro i think quite honestly one of the hardest parts and I'm not sure if I've talked about this anywhere yet was Mm -hmm. just like thinking that I wasn't good enough which sounds silly but like I was applying to you know I have like a spreadsheet in my Google Docs Mm -hmm. I was very organized about (laughs) it so I was applying to you know I had applied to like 30 jobs that Mm -hmm. I felt perfectly qualified for Mm -hmm. and some cases where I even had a personal connection and nothing was panning out yep and I also just had to kind of accept the fact that, you know what, this isn't really about you. Like, look at how media is changing. Like, Mm -hmm. look at how publishing is changing. In the time that, you know, since Nylon folded, I think at least, like, 20 titles that I loved and recognized for years have announced that they'll be suspending, like, print production or they're just going digital or even that their digital teams have shrunk. I mean, it's a scary industry to be in media. Yeah. I don't want to deter anyone who is interested in pursuing any careers in editorial or anything like that. I do think there's space for it, but I think more than ever, like, you need to kind of learn additional skills, too, that Mm -hmm. you can translate towards different things. And I think that ended up being a huge pro of being freelance is that I kind of had to just start learning how to do other things. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I had to, you know, the first time someone was like, oh, will you send me over a contract? And I didn't want to say I didn't know how to do that. (laughs) And I was just like, yeah, absolutely. Contract coming up. And I was Googling all day, like, what do you put in Mm -hmm. a contract? Um, And I drew one up and had it to wear by the end of the day. Like, just things where you have to kind of be thinking on your feet. Like, when I first started my YouTube channel, I knew it wasn't going to be perfect Mm -hmm. because I had never filmed videos before. I had never edited anything before. And I'm coming up on almost two years of YouTube now, mm-hmm. and I finally am like, okay, I feel like I have a grasp on editing and you sound. Have like a groove. And mm-hmm. Definitely, yeah. But, you know, I had to start at some point. I think that's something that a lot of people get stuck on is like, oh, I want to do that, but what if it's not perfect or this? 
Exactly. You know, like, what if it doesn't come out exactly the way I've pictured it? And it's like, I don't know, I've rebranded my blog like four or five times mm-hmm. now. It's been on three different hosting sites. There's always room to like change and grow. Yeah. And I also appreciate that one of the pros of being freelance, it's like made me so much more flexible and so mm-hmm. much more willing to adapt to things when they come my way right. um, and even just open to more opportunities like I've started doing a lot more copywriting for mm-hmm. brands which is a great way to harness like your creative writing skills but mm-hmm. put some money behind it kind of for the brand like from yeah. an e-com perspective so doing product descriptions mm-hmm. doing email marketing um, copy for that kind of stuff and even doing a little bit of like social media consulting yeah. which just because I use social media, you know, mm-hmm. that in a way makes me qualified to do it compared to smaller people who might just be starting out and mm-hmm. looking for some advice. And so it's kind of opened me up to so many different things. And that's why I really appreciate it because it's given me not only a bunch of different diverse revenue streams, mm-hmm. which makes me happy. Like, yeah. you know, if one thing falls through, like I know that there are a couple yeah, others that are mm-hmm. still kind of coming in, but yeah, it's really exciting. It's like how everyone is saying in the influencer space, like, don't put all your eggs in the Instagram basket because yeah, no. we don't we don't know what's happening with that. Exactly. And it's so good that you are able to um, copyright and write for different brands because I've learned that that's actually a talent, like a skill to be able to differentiate like your voice from your personal platform to another voice on another platform. So I think that's awesome. But what are some other skills or how how should a person who wants a job in media, um, what should they do to stand out as far as like some key things? Because even for me, like applying for jobs because I'm in beauty and marketing, um, you know, I didn't get those jobs right away either because they're looking for certain skill sets. So what would you say? I mean, even just looking at some of the editors at major publications or the ones who've recently departed. So mm-hmm. Alyssa Coscarelli is a great example. Yeah. She was um, senior fashion editor at Refinery29 and, you know, was kind of just sharing her day-to-day life on her Instagram mm-hmm. and people found an interest in that. Um, Carly Cardellino, who's the beauty director of Cosmo, um, you know, she's garnered like kind of a small following too just from sharing, you know, behind the scenes right. or selfies with hairstylists that she mm-hmm. interviews. And I think that that's really interesting and even if you're you know say you're like 18 years old and you live not in a major city and you still want to be building your presence like Mm -hmm. really just showing that authentic side of your life and it could be on Instagram it could be on YouTube it could be you know on a blog that only you have like a password to but you would send it to like a potential employer just to like give them access to it and show them like hey this is kind of just me keeping track of my life or things I find interesting like just to have anything like on the side, a passion that you're excited about Mm -hmm. and that you can kind of show that you have skills that you've learned from just being passionate about something that could possibly translate into something else later on. So, you know, if you just make beauty videos in Mm -hmm. your bedroom and you want to work for a beauty company, I think that's amazing. And I think that's something that you could totally send along with like the normal resume and Mm -hmm. cover letter say, hey, by the way, like I did a whole um, video just using products from your brand and Mm -hmm. I put it on my YouTube channel. I would love if like you could check it out as well. Mm -hmm. I think that makes an impression and definitely helps out if you're applying for jobs in a competitive field, which (laughs) all the fun things are (laughs) competitive. Yeah, I know, right? I can definitely um, co-sign with what you just said because when I was interviewing for a job, I put my um, brands that I've worked with on my my um, influencing side too they're like, oh, my God, you work with this friend. I used to work there. I'm like, oh, well, this is great because we already have a connection there. So anything that you have, make sure you put it on your resume because you never know who's watching and you never know what 
is going to make them stand out? What is going to make you stand out? And even like what you just said, finding common ground mm-hmm. with the person who might be hiring you. Like if they were in their acapella group in college. Exactly. Like, and you were too. Point that out on a resume or cover letter. Um, I'm always like from an editor perspective, I was always more willing to answer emails in my inbox when, you know, I had already met someone in person, mm-hmm. like even at an event for five minutes. Hey, right. great to meet you at this event. Would love to follow up with some pitches yeah. or um, hey, like I'm a friend of this person mm-hmm. and she suggested reaching out to you to do this. Like, would we be able to discuss further? I feel like that is kind of the, you know, networking 101 where it's like mm-hmm. if you can find that kind of either common thread or common connection, then you have such a higher chance of getting, you know, the response that you want from someone. Exactly. And even if you haven't met them already, it's so easy to find find things about people and say, the beauty I of. am an, a LinkedIn stalker. I will literally look up your LinkedIn and say, all right, so you went to this school? Okay, good. Brittany, it's my favorite <laughs> app. Like, I feel like I check LinkedIn more than I check a couple of no, other, seriously. like, common apps. I feel like people are sleeping on the LinkedIn app. You can get so much done. You can connect with so many people. I, that is, like, another podcast episode. I was going to say, can itself. you do an episode yes, about LinkedIn? I definitely will. But while we're talking about social media channels and things like that, transitioning, you do your freelance writing editorial, and then you also manage your blog. How do you balance all of that while still having meetings, going to an, going to events, and still maintaining your schedule throughout the week? Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting because, you know, the whole time that I was working at Nylon and Interview and also the entire time I was in college, yeah. I was also doing my blog. Mm-hmm. So at this point, it's really second nature almost. Like, I can't imagine not working on my blog yeah. at this point. And I think it's always just been, you know, something that I looked forward to. And, you know, if you had told me when I first started it, which it was in 2012, and I was bored one summer for the first time ever, like I had nothing to do for a whole summer. You know what? I started my blog in 2012, too, for that same reason. What? All my friends, they literally, and I'm sorry to cut you off, but no. they literally had boyfriends. And I was at home, and I was like, Dad, what should I do? He was like, maybe graphic design. And he was like... Maybe start a blog, and that was the summer I started my blog, too. Oh, my God. If we were friends that summer, we could have <laughs> taken each other's out. I know we could have. Oh, my God. But, but continue. Oh, my God. That's amazing. No, and I, f- I feel like people start it, like, looking for some kind of creative outlet or looking for something to do. But, mm-hmm. yeah, so just the fact that it's always kind of been my side hustle, yeah. for lack of a better word, um, is really fascinating to me. And, you know, now that it's become a little bit more flexible, like, mm-hmm. with my schedule, like, I've definitely learned as a freelancer not to undersell myself, like to really be stern with my rates and say, Mm -hmm. this is how much time it's taking and I really need to charge this rate for this project. Like I can't really go any lower right now. So as long as they're comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that having more of those kind of long-term, like higher paying big projects has opened up a little more time for me to dedicate to the blog and Mm -hmm. YouTube, especially too. Like, and I want to be able to have that balance and kind of be able to do that. But in a large way like it is still kind of my side hustle I would say right now I'm at the point where maybe 60% of my income is still um, from freelance writing and editing Mm -hmm. so um, doing some brand copywriting blog editing for other people and writing contributing articles to like Fashionista Insider some of the other places I mentioned and then although I've definitely noticed in the past couple of months the Mm -hmm. brand deals and stuff for the blog has been picking up which is exciting Mm -hmm. yeah um, so then the other 40% is probably from you know sponsored content Mm -hmm. um, especially now like YouTube I'm starting to incorporate video into you know my media kit and what I offer people so I just did my first fully sponsored YouTube video (gasps) that's so exciting exciting. yeah and it's so funny the woman found me because she was looking for a video on how to use Glossier Zit Stick because she couldn't figure out how Mm -hmm. to work it 
um, and I couldn't either. And in the video, you see me like struggling to kind of get <laughs> it going. Mm -hmm. um, but I, she found me through that, and she was like, "Hey, I work for this cashback app, and mm -hmm. we want to do, you know, we want to work with more bloggers and influencers and stuff." And I actually found you because of your Glossier video. Mm -hmm. Glossier is also one of our clients. Like, can we talk about, you know, working yeah. together in some way? You never know where any opportunity is going to lead you. Definitely. That's awesome. And so I sent her a couple different options. Mm -hmm. I said we can do an Instagram post, we can do, you know, a YouTube video, we can do kind of whatever you want. Mm -hmm. and she was like since I found you on YouTube I feel connected to that platform exactly. and mm -hmm. let's see if we can do like a dedicated YouTube video so that was really exciting and I definitely definitely want to focus more on that mm -hmm. um, I've also had a couple meetings in the last few weeks like trying to extend partnerships with brands that I've already worked with because yep. I find again that that's the most helpful rather than having a one-off like mm -hmm. sometimes a one-off can be fun and it can be like oh great money is happening right mm -hmm. here and now but where does it really extend and like is it going to be beneficial for you know your audience and mm -hmm. then is it also going to be beneficial for that brand like yeah I've been thinking about that um a lot too like with my personal brand is that I would rather work with or have like repeat partners that my audience can trust that they could come to me for advice on instead of like the one-off brands where you know you work with them once and then they kind of just don't show up on your page again whereas if you're working with I don't know Palmers, like for a year, then your following trusted you that they can that your opinion about that brand is true. So I definitely mm -hmm. love that, and I just want your take on how, I guess people could, how can they sell themselves to have repeat partners? Like, what are some things that they need to do to make sure that they are um, honing in on that relationship and building a great relationship with them? You know, it's funny because. I feel like influencing and blogging is the only place where you have to do so much free work mm -hmm. in order to just get a little bit of paid work. Yep. I mean, my biggest advice would be to create some amazing organic content mm -hmm. with a brand specifically in mind and send it to them and yep. say, hey, I love you guys. I've been talking about you, you know, the last like three weeks straight on my mm -hmm. Instagram stories. My followers DM me so many questions about it. And I really feel like we have an opportunity to like leverage this and work together. Yeah. Like, what do you think? Um, I know that for um, the four platform mm -hmm. has a content yeah. search tool. Mm -hmm. So for like Instagram or I think you can actually select any social platform you have linked to them. You can search one keyword. So you could search for a brand, for example, right. and it'll pop up all of the times you've tagged them or mm -hmm. like mentioned them on Instagram. Oh and wow. it gives you a custom link that you could just send straight to the brand and mm -hmm. say, here are all the times I've mentioned you before. Like, can we work together? I need to dig deeper on that platform. I've been meaning to. Yeah, I definitely recommend the content tool. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing that I I found the most helpful personally because yeah. um, for the rest of the statistics and stuff, you know, we can kind of gather that data exactly. on our own, but that is a really unique thing that I think um, more people should definitely take advantage of because mm -hmm. it takes five seconds. Like if I typed in, you know, Glossier, for mm -hmm. example, and, you know, 20 posts yeah. come up about <laughs> Glossier and I send Glossier's PR person an email and I'm like, mm -hmm. hey girl, what do you think? Exactly. I think that when you have like content to show already, or even if you don't have content, like sometimes if I haven't worked with a brand, what I do is put together a mood board so they can see like, this is the type of content that I can do for you if given mm -hmm. the opportunity. Yeah. And one thing I really recommend, have you read Brittany Hennessy's Influencer book? Yes. I need to reread it because I feel like I just want to go and like highlight some things that I found. Yeah, mm -hmm. I was kind of like bookmarking pages because I read it um, on vacation, yeah. you know, in between a margarita or two. So <laughs> I was like, I got to go back and reference everything. Yeah. And 
one thing that she um, suggested making was a partnerships page. And mm. so I also have that now on my website mm -hmm. where I can send it directly to a brand and say, here's my partnerships page. You know, here's mm -hmm. a couple of previous examples. And right now I have Instagram posts, blog posts, and then non-dedicated and dedicated YouTube videos all in one place. So if they do want to see a previous example of branded work, it's all right there. And I'm so mad at myself that I didn't have this on my website until yeah. like two months ago. I was looking at my partnerships page and I literally haven't updated it since I don't even know when. And I was like, this is the project that I need to do on the weekend. Yeah. So like anything that you have, make sure that you keep it up to date because even she mentioned in the book that she went and she was like looking on someone's blog and they hadn't had a blog post in so long or they hadn't updated the page in so long. So make sure you keep everything up to date because people are going to ask you for it if you're outreaching people yeah yeah that's a really good piece of advice yeah so what are some things that you wish that you knew about freelancing that you know now I think the biggest honestly is just just because you're giving up a salary doesn't mean you have to give up steady income mm -hmm. if you can find that repeat business and those people who you can really you know work with them on a more deep level than just doing a one-off kind of thing or right. really get to know their brand it can be not only great for both of you in the long run because you'll be able to work more closely with one client directly, but mm -hmm. it also means you're not necessarily chasing down every single small assignment that comes your way or yeah. feeling pressure to do that. Mm -hmm. um, that was definitely something I was struggling with in the beginning and I could kind of quickly anticipate I'm going to get burned out if I keep, yeah. if I have to keep saying yes to, you know, this assignment pays like this amount of money, mm -hmm. but it's not enough. So I would need to do like eight of them in order to even pay rent mm -hmm. or whatever it is you know it's really nice to still find a way to feel secure in like a financial sense mm -hmm. but I think the other thing is also too just like knowing that with freedom also comes like the self-discipline exactly, so you really yeah. have to be able to stick to your deadlines and make sure that you know you really have to want to do this and really want to wake up every day and work I mean you know if you want to wake up at noon every day and you work from like noon to like nine o'clock at night and that's just your vibe mm -hmm. that's great for freelancing too like I'm just someone who is pretty productive in most mornings mm -hmm. and I like the idea of kind of being off the clock at a certain point um I just moved in with my boyfriend and I like mm -hmm. that you know when he comes home like I like the thought that okay I want to kind of be done with work when he gets home so that mm -hmm. I can kind of just hang out like we can cook dinner and I can kind of feel like okay my day ends at a certain point even yeah. if I do have to like jump back in some days and do a little bit mm -hmm. of work like for me having that routine is really important yeah I definitely agree and then one thing that I kind of learned from like editorial days that I also recommend is kind of setting a fake deadline for yourself mm -hmm. if something is due like I always put things in my calendar the day before yeah so it's like okay I really want to get this done the day before it's mm -hmm. due and that way if something happens and sets me back like I'll be able to still make sure that I have enough time like I've given myself a little bit of leeway rather than mm -hmm. um, you know kind of leaving it till the last minute um, that's also something my mom always <laughs> kind of instilled in me too no seriously same for me and even like um, working in marketing most of the advertisement that we do is due two days prior to it the actual run date so that's like my mindset like okay two days before I need to do this and then this is the run date this is when I finalize everything so I definitely agree with you um to lighten the mood yeah. who are your favorite girl bosses in media currently or just girl bosses in general Ooh, I mean where do I begin I know there's so many people who are like literally killing it that I follow on Instagram and I wouldn't even know where to begin either 
Oh, it's just so hard because honestly, just a lot of my friends are doing really cool yeah. things mm-hmm. right now. Um, I like my friend Kaylee Reed also has a podcast, Self Care Sunday, which I was on a couple weeks ago. She works um, in influencer marketing as well. I mm-hmm. think she's so cool. Um, my friend Jesse, who takes a lot of my photos yeah. um, for you know the blog, Instagram, and everything. We shot a video together this morning. Mm-hmm. I met her at Muhlenberg, the college I went to before Barnard. Oh, mm-hmm. We've been in touch ever since then. And she recently left her day job to be like a full-time freelance photographer. So that's I think awesome. She's so cool. Um, my friend Sarah Fielding, who's one of my former interns from Nylon, mm-hmm. just launched a website called Empire Coven, and mm-hmm. she's profiling just like really cool women who are working and being their own bosses mm-hmm. and kind of being entrepreneurs right now. So I think that's awesome. Yeah. Like, and these are all just friends of mine. I mm-hmm. mean, you know, I think Michelle Lee, the editor in chief of Allure, is doing great things over yeah. there. Um, I also just bought Jacqueline Johnson's book. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to read that. Work Party from Create and Cultivate. Oh, I need to get that too, yeah. Yeah, well, you can borrow my copy when I'm done with okay. that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's so awesome. Like, even like my last podcast guest, every time I ask this question, they Heather always... Ryan. Yes. She was so cool. They always say that their friends are like their most influential people or people who they like are just looking up to or aspiring to. So I think it's good to like, you know, give like the people that you know a shout out because... You know, the girl bosses that you like, they don't have to be, like, all these people who are, like, untouchable with, like, a million followers that, you know, you'd have no chance of meeting. Sometimes they're just your friends who are just doing really cool things. Definitely, yeah. It's always nice to, like, think about people who have been around for a while Mm -hmm. and who you've really gotten to know also and just see, like, how they've changed and, like, what they're working on. And it's always fun to kind of just support them, too, because that's the best way to be able to build to an... I just I want to definitely do more collaborations mm-hmm. going forward and try to work with other people, um, do more like podcast interviews. Yeah. Like there are just so many cool people out there mm-hmm. with stories to tell. Um, I have a YouTube series too called Chatting With, where I'll like interview oh, my awesome. friends who yeah, do yeah. really cool things. Um, so I've had my friend Caroline Vazana on there before. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Hannah Orenstein, who's an author and editor um, at Elite Daily. Mm-hmm. My friend Erica Fox, who's the blogger at Retro Flame. Like yeah. she's had an amazing year, and I've known her know for years now and so it's been really fun to see her like mm-hmm. i remember when you were at ten thousand followers girl. exactly like, i remember <laughs> when you finally hit 100k like you get to see the build up mm-hmm. um my friend sydney gore who's a music editor at high snob mm-hmm. and yeah just a bunch of other people too jesse was a recent guest and i love being able to also like let someone else tell their story because yeah. i find that that's what i listen to the mm-hmm. most like i love podcasts like this yeah. i love watching youtube videos and reading interviews or going to events like I definitely love the social aspect of it. And yeah. if I could give another freelancing piece of advice would be to make sure you schedule in socializing time mm-hmm. or possibly join like a co-working space um, just to give yourself a little bit of social interaction each day. Yeah. Um, I remember there was one day in January where I literally didn't see or talk to like on the phone anyone I knew for like 48 hours. <gasps> and it was kind of jarring i was like wait a minute were you working on a project or it had also snowed yeah so okay, it was okay. Ca- and like my roommates both weren't home at some point so mm-hmm. it was literally like i hadn't spoken to anyone yeah and by the time i finally opened my mouth on the third day my <laughs> voice was like very squeaky and i was like whoa i really have not spoken to anyone so i'm a big fan of like you know schedule drinks with your friend at six o'clock so you know mm-hmm. you're gonna stop working at five thirty. yeah um, even if it means you have to come back to something later on mm-hmm. or don't forget to like, you know, have brunch with your friends, give yeah. yourself a pass. Like it's definitely important to check in with yourself and make sure that everything's going well. Yeah, that's really important. I was thinking because eventually I want to branch off into um, full time influencing and freelancing and things like that. 
and I was just like, you know, right now, like I talk to my coworkers a lot. Like we have our own text chain and things like that. And I have to make sure that I keep that up when I'm freelancing because it's so easy to disconnect from everyone. So mm -hmm. if you're not scheduling to like see people, talk to people, then you can easily like be in a bubble and not see anyone for 48 hours. Literally, yeah. And if anyone who's listening is a freelancer, I'm in a Facebook group called Freelancing Females, which oh. I just joined. I'm brand new to it. And I saw that they just created a Slack thread. So Ooh. like if you wanted to be able to like, you know, almost Slack your coworkers throughout the day or I love Slack. say like, does anyone else have an annoying client today? Or is anyone else chasing down invoices? Like yeah. just so you could even have that little interaction yeah. together. I haven't joined it yet, but I saw that it came up in my um, feed. So I was definitely want to look into it. Are there any other freelancing resources that you would recommend? Or even if it's just um, New York specific? Yeah, so I think it's freelancersunion.org. Mm -hmm. um, if anyone is beyond 30 days on an invoice, they will help you chase it down. They have resources oh. on there for that, which is really great. Um, I also am going to need to start looking into freelancing healthcare options. Mm -hmm. Like, that's going to happen in a little while for me because um, I'm still on my parents right now, which is very, very lucky. Something mm -hmm. that I don't take for granted at all. <laughs> mm -hmm. I got the boot. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, thanks, Obama. No, I'm oh. kidding. <laughs> No, I don't. 26 has always been the thing, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, and what else would be good? Um, definitely joining Facebook groups where you feel mm -hmm. like you can talk to other people. So the Influencer Collective yep. and Reward Style. Um, if you're a blogger, there are f like Facebook groups for that. Mm -hmm. And then for other freelancers, there's Freelancing Females. I'm also in one called We Are Women Owned, mm -hmm. which is really cool, too. Lots of entrepreneurs and brand owners, things like that. And if any of you guys are freelance writer or editors, you should definitely join all the Binders Facebook groups. Mm -hmm. There's Binders full of full-time freelance writers, Binders full of writing jobs. Mm -hmm. um, and I think they also have city-specific groups as well. So yeah, I definitely recommend Facebook groups. That's probably the only reason I haven't deleted my Facebook yet is because yeah. I do get so much value from these groups. And no, same, yeah. one of my um, copywriting clients too, like I found in a Binders Facebook group, mm -hmm. this girl was leaving the position and was looking for someone to replace her. And oh that worked out pretty well. Yeah, so that's awesome. Yeah, that's a pretty like low key gig. Whenever they have, you know, new product drops, mm -hmm. they'll let, send me a note and say like, hey, could you get these to us like by the end of next week or something? Mm -hmm. And there will be like photos and product descriptions and I'll oh. write them all up and send them back to them. Yeah. So definitely fun to do work like that mm -hmm. and to see what other opportunities there are. Um, people also post in there like, hey, we're looking for people to feature on our website. Right. Or, hey, we're looking for this. And mm -hmm. so if you're looking to kind of gain more press for yourself, mm -hmm. that's a great way to do that as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like, you know, people, they kind of like jump into the freelancing world and they don't think about like the healthcare and they don't think about like, oh, like you're going to have to file your taxes and things like that. I just did that. Oh my God. I, I'm going to need all the advice on that because that's one thing that I'm scared of personally. And I know that a lot of people are probably scared of the same thing as far as like taxes and how am I going to find healthcare? And these are the things that are tying people to their full-time jobs because they don't know how they're going to navigate that outside of. Well, to make taxes less scary, I can give you like the 30 second rundown of what I'm doing, which is paying quarterly estimates. Mm -hmm. So basically I took the first three months of this year. Um, I worked with an accountant. We kind of projected, okay, if I made this in three months, let's multiply it by four. Mm -hmm. Say I make this in 12 months. Right. 
um, and pay quarterly estimates based on what I would owe if that was my like salary basically. Yeah. So it's broken down by federal and state. Mm -hmm. So I just submitted, um, it's due on the 15th every quarter. So April 15th, June 15th, September 15th, December 15th. That's really smart. Yeah, and it's just like, you know, you you might end up overpaying um, or you might still owe money down the road, but mm -hmm. at least you're kind of, because when you're freelance, it doesn't get taken out of your paycheck yeah. in pretty much all cases that I've dealt with so far. Mm -hmm. There was one case where I was a temporary employee yeah. for a contract position, mm -hmm. so it did get taken out. Right. Um, but that way, at least you're kind of paying as you go, mm -hmm. and so it's not like next year comes around and they're like, okay, three grand, like, thank you very much, yeah, or like whatever it ends up being. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I would definitely recommend looking into that. The estimates are totally voluntary. You mm. can change them month to month, so if you're making a little less or making a little more, mm -hmm. you can kind of change them, and that was something that I just did this year for the first time that I didn't really know about before. So That's awesome. That's good to know. I think that's good insight that everyone is going to be able to take down. So if you have your notebooks, I hope you wrote that down because Austin really just broke it down for us. Yeah, and it's totally not as scary as I thought it was going to be. So just based on what the federal and state taxes, wherever you are living, um, that's kind of how you can estimate it. And it makes it way less scary than the next April coming around and being like, okay, well, I don't really <laughs> have this much money to hand over right now. Yeah, exactly. Oh, wow. Well, I personally have learned a lot from this podcast episode and i know that everyone else will austin how can we find you thank you um so my blog is keep calm and chiffon um i just redid the whole website so Ooh. i would love to hear anyone's feedback if they have any mm -hmm. and then you can find me on instagram twitter pinterest and youtube at austin to um my name is spelled with an e because my mom loved jane austen so that's what <laughs> i'm named after <laughs> and i think that's pretty much everything it's austin to sewn everywhere and then keep calm and chiffon is the blog that's awesome. Oh, Austin, it was so great to have you on the show. I'm so excited to launch this episode. Yay, honestly. thank you so much. So this episode is presented in partnership with Listening Party. Be sure to follow the crew on Instagram at Listening Party Presents and at Canal Street Market. Also, be sure to follow us at the Female Millennial Podcast and also follow Austin. Thank you so much for having me. See you guys next week. Bye. Bye.